You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Gators Breakdown. The Gators Fan Podcast, because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown Podcast is ready to go. I'm your host, David Waters, and you can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SCC. Join me for this episode of Gators Breakdown is Will Miles. You can find his site at readandreaction.com and on Twitter at WillMilesSCC. Will, I do not think it can be said enough, and I know uh, a lot of our listeners and followers out there have uh, put it put put it out there as well, and it cannot be stated enough. There is never a dull moment in Gator Nation. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's been an interesting last week, that's for sure, and you know, there's there's obviously been been stuff going forward, quite a bit of consternation on Twitter between between different camps, and you know that's part of what makes college football fun is the passion of the fans. But uh, you know, hopefully this is the last time we'll have to talk about this. <laughs> you and I had talked about uh, you know doing some film work this week and coming back and talking about stuff on the field, but obviously we'll we'll push that off and uh, and and talk about some other things tonight. Yes, even Will and I agree it is time to move on. <laughs> this is, but this is the story uh, for for at least one more episode. We're putting a bow uh, on the Chris, Chris Steele situation. But as Will said, we've done some we've done some work behind the scenes that we're kind of really ready just to put out there. Uh, you know, for some Felipe Frank's film work and and study of uh, you know stats and trends and all that stuff. So, Will, I mean, uh, I know like last week I worked a good bit on it. I know you worked a good bit over on the weekend with with Felipe Frank's. We thought we were going to talk Felipe Frank's, but uh, as I said, we're going to put a bow uh, for this episode on the Chris Steele situation. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, it, it's really what everybody's talking about today on Twitter and over over the weekend. And and I know you had uh, you had Will Salmon on to talk about it a little bit last week, but uh, you know, I haven't had the opportunity to weigh in yet, so people can get mad at me now. <laughs> you have had a chance to to, to get in on uh, to, to react on on your site, read reactions. You know, I'm sure we'll get we'll, we'll get to that uh, as well. But as you said, uh, it's kind of uh, the fan base was split for a little while, uh, then kind of came together for a little while. Uh, and then kind of the, uh, I guess you could say different factions of Gator Twitter between fans, media, and players all came out on Sunday and, and over the weekend. So it was an entertaining, fun uh, kind of weekend uh, there uh, for, uh, for, for this, for the saga, as I'll call it. But uh, before we get into it, Remember, you can find Gators Breakdown on news4jacks.com slash Gators Breakdown. You'll find all the Gators Breakdown episodes there. I also catch it on I also catch the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and YouTube, Spotify, all those services out there. And when you're on those services, please share, rate, and review the show. And follow us on social media, Gators Breakdown on Twitter and Facebook. So kind of quick, we'll go back. Started last Wednesday night of the rumors of Chris Steele transferring around midday Thursday. We found out his name is in the transfer portal. The initial report released by Zach Albert Verde was, you know, highlighted by Steele requesting a move uh, 
to, to move dorms to get away from Jalen Jones and, and that the staff was going to make Kim wait until the summer. We all know what happened with Jones, and that apparently helped prompt a, a, a move to transfer for Steele. Also in that report was that Mullen flew to California to discuss this ordeal with Chris and his family last Wednesday night. We can assume from that meeting that the Steele family didn't hear what they wanted to, and Chris decided to put his name into the transfer portal. And the theme right after that was one in taking the side of Chris Steele without getting the side from the University of Florida. And with that, the fallout wasn't going to be a good look for Florida. Uh, Florida is pretty limited in what could be said due to student privacy uh, issues there. I have little doubt that those events happened in regards to Steele, but maybe there was more to the story. I don't blame Zach Alberti for, for releasing the original story. There was information that he was able to obtain. I don't believe he was trying to slant the story to help Steele. Now, I, and I admitted this last week, I probably went too far in praising Steele and character and all that stuff uh, for the for the move with quick reactions fr from that story and that report. I take some responsibility for that. Should have waited for some more info out there. Uh, but you know, but what was in the report was true, just maybe not the look behind it. Even if Steele had somehow got a room change, would that have really helped the matter? That's the question. I if I go back and look at it, that's what I'd ask myself. Well, this whole thing started pretty weird. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a couple of things to to consider here. One is that, you know, just from the standpoint of the media, I, I think if you were upset about the reporting around Jim McElwain and, and the program and not having a weight program that necessarily was was up to snuff and some of the other things that came out after he was let go, then you can't necessarily be upset if people are critical of the program now. Like you can't have it both ways, right? So um, if you're going to complain that that um, you know people are saying things that might cost them access, or you're going to have those sorts of complaints, I, I think in some respects, you know, the reporters are doing the best they can. The um, you know, obviously, people found some things on Twitter that cast some doubt on some of the th some of the narratives that were going on early on. But you know, the, at the same time, you, you hate to doubt someone when they say that that's the reason that they leave. You take them for their word, and you wish them well. Really, is sort of the 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 long and short of it. I mean, I hope Chris Steele does well. I hope he goes to a program where he's not playing Florida and and does well and ends up in the NFL. And you know, you sort of move on from there. I, I think the other side of it, though, is that. Um, you know, and this was something that Bill Sykes had written on on Read and Reaction in an article, um, you know, in back in July is just the opportunity cost of going out to California to recruit guys. And, you know, Bill in July had said specifically that he didn't think going out there was worth it. And we'd said that on the podcast as well, that there are risks associated with that, not just in bringing the guy to Florida, but also then in keeping him there because he's going to have the pull from home when things don't go his way, when there, when there are other issues, or when there's something that pops up that, that does sort of cause a rift between him and the staff. So irrespective of what happened, the, the initial sort of, uh, you know, the, you were going to have to work harder to keep him on campus because of where he was. And, and so, you know, obviously you never want to lose a guy who's ranked in the top 50 and, and that's what they've done. And so it certainly impacts this class, impacts the depth. It was a guy who's going to contribute very early on this year. And, you know, Florida doesn't have that now. So, um, you know, I don't know that the story matters too much other than the fact that you had a good player on campus. He's not there anymore. And so that does impact the team somewhat. All right. So then following the timeline, um, you know, from the last time that we had an episode, that was Thursday night. So then comes Friday, Friday comes around 
Some things were found out on Twitter that raises some questions, and rightfully so. Uh, I posted those concerns Saturday on Twitter and kind of a summary of the previous two days. And that was in response to putting out there that this situation was still uh, didn't did not even attempt to show me that Dan Mullen doesn't care about his players. He does. I'll leave it at that. So the, the things that were found out on Twitter were some friendly exchanges between Chris Steele and Jalen Jones dated March the 6th. And again, on April 4th, that begs the question that if things you know, and, and the, if things were happening and, and the feelings to where you did not want to room with Jones, wouldn't the relationship kind of seem strained at that point? Now they're kids and who knows what's really going on. But, it, the, you know, but it does seem that maybe the relationship was, wasn't as quite as strained or as bad as maybe led to believe uh, from this from the still side. Then there was the parent side of this and their kid being, you know, all the way across country. And I can understand if they got upset at their son not being able to to move dorms if he feels uncomfortable. But that was back in January. And his dad is praising the University of Florida and Dan Mullen the day after the spring game. Those understandably raised some question marks. So, Will, I started doing some digging myself, asking around. You know, uh, we, we talked plenty behind the scenes during this whole uh, situation. Plenty of people responded in pretty much the same manner that the staff probably could have done more, but not to the extent of blaming Dan Mullen for the reason Chris still leaving. The incident still claim happened really did happen, but maybe not as dire as it seemed. So I raised all these questions when it came to the situation. You know, while the positive interaction towards Jalen Jones and in, in Florida – just how much did Dan Mullen himself know and initially, initially and ultimately in the whole situation? Why the flight to California? Uh, was it to clear the air? Was it to keep Steele from transferring? We'll never know the full story here. As I said before, Florida Mullen cannot say much about the situation due to student privacy policies. But you say after tweeting those thoughts, it wasn't long after that that I found myself in a conversation with Chris Steele himself. Uh, he wasn't happy with my thoughts on the matter, even after I initially shared that this would not be a good look on the staff if these events were true. He never really clarified what he saw from my side. And as most of you know, there was an imposter of my Twitter account last Thursday spreading false reasons for Chris Steele leaving. Then comes Sunday, all the rumors of Steele and his family returning to Gainesville. Uh, that you know, There were some rumors out there. Some people were even trying to confirm it. Uh, as fact that Chris Steele was going to come back to Florida with his family returning to Gainesville. I reached out to Chris, uh, and he simply told me that was, quote, false. That's all he said. Straight from the horse's mouth, he is not coming back to Florida. He said nothing after that when I tried to follow up, and that was the last remark that I got for him. So here we go. This leaves a Sunday night, and that was further confirmed, Will, by Florida players. Most notably, Stravon Grimes tweeting the famous phrase, if you ain't a gator, you're gator bait, with a picture of him standing. Uh, and in the same picture, Chris Steele on the ground, then telling people to read between the lines. To me, that kind of firms, kind of confirms a shaky story here. And then Kyle Pitts chimes in, adds a pick of him catching a pass on Steele. Rick Wells does too. Um, you got Tyree Cleveland with the message, quote, you was a dog, my G. I just wanted you to be the next great, great DB to come out of Florida. Now you're Gator Bait. Still respect you, though. Jacob Copeland, Kamori Gamble all join in. Still then tweets out tweets of himself doing well in spring practice, then practice videos of plays he made throughout the spring. Well, it was pretty obvious there was something going on between the two sides uh, and then that the current players were tired of the slant of Steel's side and they were defending the Gator brand. 
Sure. I mean, I, I think that's what you'd expect them to do. I think, you know, a lot of the guys who've been there for a year or two have seen Mullen come in with a program that was struggling and saw him turn it around. And so certainly have bought in and, and obviously Steele didn't because otherwise he'd still be there if he'd bought into the program. And, and that's going to cause tension when you've got someone who's, I mean, quite honestly, I can't imagine that he was necessarily not considering this type of stuff during spring practice, during the spring game. I mean, you know, I don't imagine that, that transferring is a decision that you take lightly especially when you consider that you know he's got the kind of talent where three years he's going to be in the pros so um you know he there's um it it's not a surprise to me i don't know that it necessarily confirms the narrative i i don't, like you said i'm not sure we'll ever really know i suspect that this is probably a miscommunication between the two sides where you know each of them feels like they're in the right and neither one of them is probably completely in the right, but you know it doesn't matter at the end of the day. You know, Steele's no longer with Florida. Florida's going to move forward. You know, and, and somebody had asked me about being depressed about the 2019 season with with all the different things that have been going on with the Jalen Jones stuff, and then the Steele, and then all the other and all the decommitments and things like that. And you know, basically, my response was, no. If you were excited about 2019, you should still be excited about 2019. I mean. As far as 2019 goes, this is just as though, you know, Steele had an injury. And, you know, then like if he'd had an injury in spring camp that kept him out for the year, well, you know, you'd sort of be in the same spot. So um, I don't I don't necessarily think this impacts what we should expect for 2019. I think people should still be very excited about that. Obviously, it impacts depth, and, and you don't ever want to lose somebody who's that highly rated. But you also don't want somebody who's sort of moping around who doesn't want to be there. So um, I, I think at the end of the day, you know, this is probably the best thing just to split now rather than having a, uh, a more, a, a more acrimonious separation later. I can't imagine it'd be much more acrimonious than this, but, uh, but you know, it was only going to get worse if the relationship had already de- deteriorated to this point. Well, I mean, I, I was kind of surprised, you know, he, he reached out to me. Uh, as I said, I was after that fact, it was really trying to clear the air, trying to really figure out what went on. I was kind of hoping, you know, that he didn't see uh, the false account that was out there because those were some pretty harsh accusations that uh, got tied to me uh, in some way there. Uh, but, you know, I, I tried to figure out as much as I could too because, I, look, I knew the narrative that was out there, that, you know, there, that it was still side that was being heard the most and, and not the university side. And, and, of course, since they can't speak on it, that's going to be the case. Trying to trying to clear up, trying to get more, uh, get all the information that I could uh, there. So you know, I wanted to first of all on, on Sunday, as fast as possible, put out the the notion whether he was going to return or not, because of course that would that would you know kind of that would end the story either way. If he's coming back, okay, we can move on. If he's not, okay, we can move on uh, either way. Uh, I just don't know if I necessarily expected the uh, the the player barrage that happened last night. <laughs> well, you certainly had a better source than anyone out there, that's for sure. And then, uh, you know, I, I, I think it's a natural thing that those players are going to want to defend Mullen. Again, I think you suspect that. And I think it's a good sign, too. Very much so. I, I, you know, at no point have any of us, I don't even think the, the people who've really gotten criticized. I know Neil Blackman got criticized quite a bit for his piece and, and Zach as well. I mean, at, at no point do I think those guys were trying to imply that Mullen or the staff doesn't care about their players. But when you've got a, when you've got a player saying, Hey, this is what happened. Um, you know, that's news. I mean, that's, that's a newsworthy thing. And if the university chooses or cannot respond, well, you know, that's not the reporter's fault. So, um, 
you know, you try to do the best you can to present all sides. That was something that I tried to do in the initial article that I wrote, just indicating, hey, look, this is the narrative. It looks bad and it's going to impact recruiting in a negative way unless that narrative is changed and the narrative's changed a little bit because of the new information that's come out and because of how forcefully the players have supported Mullen. So again, I, I think this is probably, you know, in terms of what happened, it's probably um, more of a misunderstanding between the parties than it is anything else. You know, uh, how forcefully did Steele, you know, what was the detail level of detail that he gave the staff when he asked for a change in room? What you know, maybe he thought he was very, very clear, and the staff member he was talking to thought, "Eh, that's not really a big deal," you know, and 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 just that level of miscommunication, where now you've got somebody who's upset, and you've got somebody on the other side who just doesn't even know it, right? And then it's not brought up again. And I, you know, I have no inside information, but I can understand how something would be overlooked because it wasn't seen as important, or because you're getting ten different requests for different rooms and 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 that sort of stuff. So you know, I don't know how often. You know how common it is to have these kind of switches. Um, I don't know what it really takes to get that to be done. You suspect that you know they're going to give more leeway to a to their top recruit as opposed to somebody who's you know the third string linebacker. But you know at the same time, very early on in your tenure at Florida, do you really want to be giving preferential treatment out? So you I know, can also it, before we move on there, well, I can also see where that part of it is. Hey, work it out. You know, your teammates, you're not always going to agree. You're not always going to agree with everybody out there. Work it out. Find a way to work it out. You know, be a leader, be a teammate, and work it out. But, sure. as, you, but as you said, we don't know what was actually said. Well, and, you know, once the assault allegations yeah. came out, well, now all of a sudden everything that you had been saying is validated by that, right? So if if that doesn't happen, do you have the same feelings? You know, you say, hey, I see a situation that's not ideal for me and people ignore you and then the allegations come out and you're like see and if the allegations had not come out then maybe or not if if the incident had not occurred then maybe uh maybe it's a different story so again i, I think this is probably just two people who are you know two parties who very much believe they were being clear with the other one but neither party actually was clear enough that they were communicating in a way that that was satisfactory, obviously, because Steele's not there anymore. And, you know, if Mullen's flying out to California to try to convince him to come back, then it, clearly he wanted him in Gainesville still. So, um, you know, this isn't, a, this isn't a situation where both parties mutually parted ways. This is a situation where Steele left. And so obviously that relationship broke down to a point where, uh, where that needed to happen. And Willie, and you, and you did mention kind of what it speaks to this season, and I, and I kind of, I, I kind of agree. I, I don't think it has much outcome on this season. Um, yeah, of course, still was probably pegged to be a starter uh, in 2020 with Wilson and Henderson uh, probably taking their talents to the NFL after that. After this season, yeah, he would have had some. He would have had some duties this year. He would have. He would have played, but I don't. Uh, you know, Florida wasn't going to win or lose the game because of Chris Steele being out there uh, in 2019, uh, and that kind of. You know, translates as well to the string of decommitments this past week as, as well, mainly from the faraway 2021 class and many asking uh, if this story from Steele was to blame for all the decommits. And you know, I'd say it's probably a combination, but not necessarily a, a direct reason. Uh, rumors of decommitments from the Vanguard kids was coming before the Steele story broke. Uh, I know it's ugly right now, and that's to be expected, but this will die down 
then we get to see the outcome of it all. You know, rivals in other schools will use this to their their, their advantage. The staff will have their work cut out for them. Uh, but, you know, get the support staff in order. Go have a great 2019. And this could just be something we look back on, say it's not that big of a deal. You know, Florida is bigger than one player, and there's still plenty of ex- plenty of success to be obtained out there. Sure. I mean, and I think – you know, winning cures all. I know the big three roll-up had an article on either today or yesterday talking about that no one will remember this if they go 10-2 and two and beat Georgia. Um, you know, but obviously you got to go out there and go 10-2 and two and beat Georgia. And, you know, otherwise people will point to this as an indicator. And I think that's maybe the area that you would say it's understandable if people would have some concern, right? That when you have a recruit who comes in who's immediately not happy and leaves, well, that you know, does that say something? Is is that like, are we getting a glimpse inside at something that's not quite right? And I can't say whether we are or not, but I can understand why someone would be concerned about that. Particularly, you know, we talked about Demarcus Bowman and not being able to close somebody from Lakeland who ends up going to Clemson or committing to Clemson. Um, you know, the Petit Frere who went to Ohio State, and then you've got Trey Trey Sanders who goes to Alabama. So. You know, again, is there is there something systemic there? And I'm not saying there is. I'm, you know, I have no idea. I'm just saying it's understandable that someone would look at that and say, "Hey, you know, I I think we have an issue." Particularly when you know, not too long ago, when asked about Justin Fields, Mullins talking about that it's you know, if guys are leaving right away that you've recruited, that you've done a poor job recruiting. And you know, when you when you put out a quote like that, and then guys you recruited are immediately leaving. It, inevitably, you know, you define that as poor recruiting. And so, um, you know, in a place where there's already some questions about um, about the ability to recruit at an elite level, um, you know, I think it's legitimate to start asking those sorts of things. Yeah, about that too with, uh, I've seen, of course, Georgia fans are going to, to poke at this situation and, and, and all that or saying, oh, well, now you've turned on steel. Uh, I, I, see, I seem to remember pretty – Remarkable story of uh, them turning on fields after that fact as well. So, <laughs> I think we also need to remember that Twitter is not real life. Yeah, yes, <laughs> and that and that ninety nine percent of fans are sane. Yeah, and and that you know some of those people are on Twitter. They're all they're not all crazy like me. But but pretty much every one of the one percent of the insane fans I think are on Twitter, which can be fun for the most part. But I, I imagine it's not fun for an eighteen-year-old kid who's going through stuff like this. I mean, you know, regardless of what you think of Steele, it can't be an easy thing to go through all this, all the criticism and all the scrutiny that comes along with this. And to be honest, it's probably not easy for Mullen to go through it either. The difference is is that Mullen is paid very very handsomely to. Um, to make sure these types of things don't happen. And, you know, the optics are important. And, you know, you mentioned the guys in 2021, if they had decommitted a week earlier, then, then it, then the optics look different. The fact that they decommitted, the fact that the, the top recruit for 2021 decommitted like the same afternoon that this whole thing broke makes it look bad, even if they're not interrelated. Yeah. And and that's why I was trying to, to bring that up is because I, Look, guys, I th- it was out there that those guys were going to decommit before this. But as you said, it's going to because that's probably one of the questions I've been asked the most the last two days is: is are they related? Are the decommitments related to steel? 
Yeah. Well, and you know, it's, it's something that we know Florida is going to have to do that. The recruiting is going to have to be elite in order for them to compete, you know, long-term. And so people keep looking ahead and saying, all right, 2020, where's that class going to be? 2021, where's that class going to be? And it was really encouraging to see that the 2021 class had two five-star two five-star recruits in it and and was number one in the country and you know the average um 24 7 ranking was up around like 96 which is like where clemson is right now for 2020 so you know you look at that and say hey we're moving in the right direction to have your you know three of your top four recruits decommit in the span of a week right after this stuff happens i think does cast some doubt on where that class is going and you know part of recruiting part of being a head coach in a major university is being able to cast a vision not only for for the players who are going to come there, but for the fan base. And, and so, you know, Mullen is an excellent coach. He's a really good in-game coach. I think he's really, really good at getting the most out of his players. Certainly I've tried to look a lot at development during this off season. You know, he gets more three stars to the NFL than his peers. He gets more four stars to the NFL than his peers. Um, you know, he does more with those guys. I mean, the Mississippi state rosters were, were, um, you know, stacked against him in terms of talent when he was taking on Alabama, LSU, and, and Auburn, but he still went nine and nine in games against teams that were more talented than him over the last three years. So nobody's doubting that. The question is how, like, how much of a recruiting how much of a recruiting disadvantage can you be at, and and have that take you over the hump? And we're about to find out. So if nothing else, it's going to be fun because it's going to be a, uh, you know, both sides have have staked their position, and we're going to be able to see how it ends up. Uh, well, we uh, we got to hear a whole lot about it from from the Twitter sphere, but uh, you know, kind of everybody's final thoughts on it. So a lot of people sent their thoughts, and uh, yeah, I'll share uh, a lot of my listeners' thoughts here. College football twenty four seven says I originally thought based on the first original story it was a really bad look. Now with a little bit more information, it seems still wasn't happy at Florida, but still not being happy, it would have never worked. The situation just happened to give him an out. Uh, Chris Anderson. Uh, CA every day says, I wish everyone uh, did the right thing and waited for some clarification from both sides or a better understanding of the situation's timeline. It's clear there are uh, some serious gray areas from both Steel and Florida side. Unfortunately, we may never know the truth. I'd like to add that I wish some media would appreci- appreciate a bit more of the power they have when reporting a story that is truly incomplete. It forced a lot of people to react without full knowledge. I just hope lessons were learned. It created a false narrative hard to Correct. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Kevin Harris says, I don't appreciate him using our program the way he did and casting us, casting us negatively. He's gone now and Elam is enrolled. Lesson learned. Recruit in the Southeast and avoid this headache. So, <laughs> Will, I, I have seen it uh, a whole lot. Uh, every, and you, I, I know you did mention it earlier. Um, not, uh, a lot of people are jumping on board with just leave those Cali kids out West. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's really easy to do that once you have a screw up. Right. And, <laughs> and, and, um, not, not the player being a screw up. Yeah. 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 That yeah. you have something that sort of falls through the cracks or, you know, and, and that's why, that's why in the article today, you know, I, I specifically went back to something Bill had said, you know, six months ago, actually a year ago now, almost talking about, historically what's happened. It's a really good, it's a really good article. People should go back and read it. Um, you know, I'm proud of what Bill put together there, but you know, this isn't revisionist history. This is somebody who took a look at the recruiting profile of guys coming to Florida from California and said, like even the guys who have committed haven't worked out very well. And some of them have gone home for various reasons. And, and it's just not a high, it's a high risk strategy that hasn't really shown a whole lot of yield. And, um, 
you know, that there's a reason why if you look at Alabama and Georgia's recruiting maps, um, you know, that those recruiting maps include basically Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi, and Florida. <laughs> That's where those teams recruit from. And, and, um, you know, I, I think mimicking those guys on the recruiting trail is probably a good thing to do. All right, here we go. Andy at eight eight oh two Gator says just another kid from Cali that didn't work out. Now he's using now he's using an excuse to get a waiver. The reaction from his former teammates tell me there's more to the story. Either way, Elam, Hill, and Kimbrough is still a nice haul. Um yeah, there was a lot of rumors out there too last week that Jadon Hill was gonna transfer as well. Uh, he squashed those rumors uh, pretty well <laughs> on Twitter over the weekend. Uh, I was even, you know, tweeting out the the good grades that he had his first semester at Florida. You do have Elam on campus, who arrived on campus today. Uh, Kimbrough, who a lot of people pegged as kind of, you know, a Louisiana athlete. Will, uh, you know, I spoke on Henderson and Wilson, you know, being, of course, the stalwarts for 2019. But, you know, without – Without Steele, this was still a pretty good, you know, if Hill comes back fully healthy, recovers from that knee injury, uh, you know, Elam Hill and Kimbrough is still still a pretty good DB class to be brought in. Very much so. You know, we talked about this, I don't know, a couple of months ago where we were talking about the talent at different areas in on, you know, that Florida's brought in over the last four recruiting classes. And I think they brought in nine defensive backs who were who were blue chip recruits so four or five star recruits um and then there were two safeties i think who fell fell within that as well so you know that you lose chauncey gardner johnson because he obviously left early for the draft you're gonna you're gonna lose cj anderson next year as long as as long as nothing happens from him from an injury perspective but you know chris Steele's one of those guys and you know is this really that different than him coming in and either not being able to stay healthy or um or just not living up to the hype. There are plenty of guys who are ranked 42nd in the country who don't end up being NFL players. Now, obviously, the guy who's ranked 42nd becomes an NFL player a whole lot more often than the guy who's ranked 400th. But, um, you know, there are plenty of guys who, who flame out, and it's possible that Steele would have been one of those. So, you know, you look at it and you say it's one guy. You don't want to grade any recruiting class on one guy. You don't want to infer anything about the staff on one guy and you just say all right we've got some good guys coming in they've certainly done a good job of beefing up their secondary with blue chip guys and uh and so if you were gonna if you were gonna lose a guy this maybe is the place where you'd want to lose him just because of all the guys they brought in uh these next couple of tweets speak on that matter uh, a good bit too jay zero says i'm glad the players took up for coach one player isn't going to make or break this team he is not tim tebow um uh Delamet 33 says, uh, only here for Gators, uh, says, tired of hearing about it. He didn't want to be here. It doesn't matter why. We were fine before him. We'll be fine after him. Um, let's see. Uh, Bobby Glenn says, whatever the reason the kid uh, didn't want to be a Gator, he's a teen. Uh, crap happens. I had to edit that part. <laughs> uh, I just wanted to make it, make it through the summer with the team intact so we can raise some hell and whip the Canes. Go Gators. So, well, this, of course, uh, I did mention the rivals uh, earlier in the episode. And this, of course, did bring up the woodworks of uh, FSU, Georgia, Miami fans. Uh, and the, the kind of the narrative, of, for, at least for Miami fans, is somehow just connects to the August 24th game. Uh, I think uh, a little bit of hope there from their side. I don't think this has, if, if anything, uh, could it be a distraction for the Florida? Maybe. But with the reaction that I saw from the players last night, it may be one of those come together, us against the world type of moments. 
Yeah, I, I think Miami should have some hope because their defense was pretty good last year. And we're <laughs> certainly going to get into that as we get closer to August. I mean, you know, they're they're not a they're not a pushover. I mean, this is not playing Towson the first week of the year. You're playing a Power Five opponent, and granted, they're from the ACC, so that says something about them. But um, you know, Miami's going to be a decent team. If Florida's going to have to show up and play well and win. Um, but yeah, as far as as far as galvanizing the team, I mean, unless unless there is a division where there are clearly steel guys and there are clearly Mullen guys like, like there is on Twitter, um, you know, but unless that division exists within the locker room, you know, this is just going to be a galvanizing thing for the team. If it has any impact at all, um, you know, again, I'm not sure he's been around long enough for it to have had <laughs> too much of a galvanizing influence other than the fact that Mullen's probably appreciative that his guys are standing up for him. All right, a couple more thoughts here before we uh, move on. Uh, Aaron at Salty Gator says, I'm guessing we'll see a lot more of this in the future. Transferring is so easy at this point, and if you're uncomfortable or don't like a certain situation, you simply go into the transfer portal and go somewhere else. Welcome to the new age of college football. And with that, does beg the question that is a point brought up. We've seen it um, with um, the kids' names escaping me now who committed to uh, USC, enrolled at USC, uh, was only there for a couple of days, and now is at Texas because uh, with uh, Kingsbury, who was hired as the offensive coordinator at USC, got the head coaching job uh, at Arizona. They lose a coach, and he finds an out, and he transfers to Texas uh, right away. Um, it is. I mean, you, you're, you're going to see uh, with a new age of college football, and we saw Martell and Fields get eligible, uh, eligible right away at uh, – you know, I don't know how much it played into this situation, as I said, until we, we don't know the whole story. Uh, but, it, you know, that thought does lead credence here to, to this whole situation. Yeah, so it's Brew McCoy you're talking about. McCoy, yeah. <laughs> there were multiple readers who'd pointed out that I had missed him today when I, had oh, okay. <laughs> when I had written about not being able to find another example of a guy who'd left before spring practice. But again, I... I, well, I, I, I wasn't trying to call you out there, Will. I didn't no, know. That's, that's all right. <laughs> I, I, when, when I'm that factually inaccurate where I miss a guy who just did it, then, <laughs> then, then I deserve to be. But uh, So I think there's a couple of things. One is that I think we can all be in agreement in some capacity that if somebody commits and a coach leaves, that that's a very different situation than committing nothing changing and then leaving, right? That those are, those are two very different things. The other thing is, is that this is kind of the, the, this is kind of the, the can of worms that the NCAA has opened up by allowing the waivers. So, if you're going to allow waivers in certain circumstances, then you're incentivizing people to come up with situations that justify the waiver. So I'm not quite sure why a waiver exists anyway, as long as you transfer outside of conference, like why shouldn't you be able to play right away? The coach doesn't have to sit out a year when he goes from, you know, from Marshall to Virginia tech or whatever, like what, why should the player have to sit out when he decides to transfer? And I know people will say, well, then it's going to be like college free agency. Well, it's like, you know, if, if I, if I have a job and somebody offers me more money to go someplace else, or somebody offers me a better situation to go someplace else, I'm fully within my rights to go do that. So long as that's what the agreement was with my employer. So, you know, yeah, these guys have signed letters of intent and I get it that those letters of intent do have certain rules associated with them. But, you know, I, I tend to be somebody who's much more pro player when it comes to these sorts of things. And I have no problem with people moving around. If it makes it harder for the coaches to manage their rosters, then the coaches are going to have to treat the players better. And so I think it's a win-win for everybody, particularly 
in an era where, you know, we have to be worried about head injuries and player safety and those sorts of things, you know, the days of, of guys like Bear Bryant, like having people out in, the, out in the middle of the heat with no water really don't fly anymore. And and a lot of that has to do with you can't treat your players like that and and expect them to stay. So, you know, is it perfect? No. And I'm not sure it's ever going to be perfect. But I do think that, you know, the the lack of clarity with who gets waivers and who doesn't, what's required to get a waiver, the fact that it's like a hardship, but it can be, you know, and I don't know all the details, but the idea of, you know, Justin Fields and some of the, the racist things that went on down there at Georgia, and that was sort of his justification for moving on, or Tate Martell. I'm not sure what we know. It, I think his justification was that Justin Fields had come to Ohio State. So what actually does earn you a waiver? And if you're going to make it... Uh, oh, Urban Meyer left. Boo-hoo. I want to leave. Well, but again, I mean... You know, the coach left. I think it's he's well within his rights. He should be well within his rights to leave. And, you know, I would be okay but with that. But, but I agree, going, going full circle, if he was starting quarterback and Urban Meyer left, I doubt he leaves. Yeah. Well, and, and but again, I, I think it's perfectly okay for if the coach leaves. Like, I would be, I would be in favor of the NCAA passing that rule, right? That if a coach leaves, you're allowed oh, yeah. to transfer. Yeah, I'd now, be up for that. I mean, I got to be honest, because then wouldn't you put much, much more restrictive buyouts in your coach's contracts? Yeah. Like you would be incentivized to make sure the guy stays there and you wouldn't have guys hopping all over the place. Like Jimbo Fisher wouldn't be able to go from Florida State to Texas A&M without there being major problems at Florida State when, when all of a sudden those players are all eligible to go anywhere else. And I think people look at that and say, oh, it would be a free-for-all. It would be free agency. In some capacities, that's right. But I also think that uh, it would be fun. I mean, my, my, my worry would be these are 17, 18 year old kids. They get ticked off one time and their names in the portal. Sure. I mean, but isn't that how, it, I mean, if the guy works at the, I mean, if an 18 year old kid works at the Wawa down the street, it works the same way. It's, you know, if he gets ticked at his manager, he just goes and works someplace else. Like, I, I don't understand exactly why we why we treat this so much differently other than the fact that we have a vested interest and an emotional connection to the program. And so we want it to be as, you know, we like, we like, we like, we like knowing and we like learning about these guys as they get older. I mean, that's really one of the things that's missing from college basketball these days, right? Is, you know, it used to be, if you followed Duke, you knew who Grant Hill was and you watched him play for four years. And, you know, the last time I can remember there being any real significant players who were, top tier NBA guys who stayed in school. You're talking about the, you know, you're talking about Noah and Horford at Florida and Brewer. I mean, those are the, the, that's the last set of guys I can remember actually staying and, and interest in college basketball has waned because of it. So I understand why the NCAA is kind of trying to hold on to their model. But the problem is, is that the guys who get the waivers tend to be the guys who get the lawyers. Yep. And eventually they're going to say no to a waiver with somebody who's got a better lawyer than them. And uh, yeah, and, and I, the change is going to be forced. Yeah. I, I go back and forth on the situation. I, I do. I do get, you know, coaches get the leave. So why don't the players, I, I, I do totally get it. Uh, I do worry about how roster management is kind of brought into the point where if you say 10 players decide to up and leave all at one time, kind of what, what happens to your roster then uh, there. Uh, I, I do have questions like that, uh, but yeah, it, it is a, it is a shaky situation. Um, and uh, with uh, that's part of we, we, you know, the part that you brought up where these guys are maybe looking for reasons to get away for, well, if there is 
if there is basically free agency, if there is a point where you don't need a waiver, where at least there is some clarity in that issue. Sure. I mean, I think that's all That's all I'd be asking for. So if the NCAA wanted to come in and pass a rule, and they could do this right now, that if the coach leaves, you're allowed to leave. Um, you know, Now, obviously, that causes problems <laughs> for programs that can't keep a coach. Um, but you could do that, and that would give guys an option to get out of an agreement that they signed with that coach. Because you know, I know people talk about committing to the school, not a coach, and all that sort of stuff. But let's be honest. I mean, the, the kid who committed to USC and then his offensive coordinator leaves like a day after National Signing Day. I mean, the coach knew he was leaving, yeah. and, he, and he just decided to, to basically lock in the guy as a favor to his, to his previous employer so that he could make the jump without feeling bad. And that's unethical, and you shouldn't do that. And if you're going to, you know, it's, it's within the rules, but I don't think that it's necessarily fair to the player. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm, for the most part, I'm going to err on the side of being fairer to the players. And, you know, and that includes, you know, I wrote an article a couple of years ago for SEC Country talking about them being able to license their images and doing it the way. Oh, that should absolutely happen. Well, and doing it the way engineering schools do. So, you know, when I was in grad school, Virginia Tech, like I could patent something and Virginia Tech would do all the lawyers at Virginia Tech would take care of it. But if there were any royalties that came in, it would be split in some capacity. And so Virginia Tech had a lot of control over how that patent was licensed. But at the end of the day, I still got rewarded for the work if I if I did something that was uh, that was ingenuitive. Now, unfortunately, I didn't. But, <laughs> but but the opportunity existed, right, for the university and the player to benefit or the university and the student to benefit even though the university had a stake in helping that player along or helping that student along to be more successful. And I think the same thing applies to football, right? The university, like if you go to the university of Florida, the name brand and the buy-in and the emotional connection is a whole lot more than some random football league in, in Florida. Even if, you know, if you, if you put a, semi-professional football team in Gainesville called on the Florida Gators. I don't know if they get the same, the same following that the university of Florida does just because there's that emotional connection. So the school clearly has a, is giving a benefit to the player. The question is how do you get the player that benefit? I think there are ways to do that. And I think we're eventually going to come around to that if for no other reason, because someone's going to sue somebody else. Okay, here we go. Well, a couple more thoughts on this uh, from, from our followers and then we'll move on. Uh, I think a lot of people, especially media, jumped to a conclusion when only one side was told. Not a great look for Mullen, but nearly, not nearly as bad as some made it out to be. Does raise questions about off-field staff and recruiting strategy, though. The off-field staff has to get fixed. Uh, down basically two coaches right now. Uh, you've made some new hires there, namely Kiwan Ratliff. Uh, there who's trying to get the job done that has to be uh, one of the biggest and fastest fixes that need to uh, need to occur uh, right now uh, on the Florida football staff uh, and last one Bull Gator says uh, it is simple to me what he missed from his family and friends he simply could not get in the form of the staff and a crappy roommate it's a huge handicap to take your recruits recruit from so far away they rarely commit and, and dealing with the distance removes a star or two, in my opinion. Uh, kind of a neat look there, Will, of, of equating uh, a West Coast kid and devaluing their them just because of you know where they come from. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know that you necessarily – I mean, if Steele had stayed, I think we all would have been very happy with his play. Yeah. Right? But obviously it's a, it's a higher-risk uh, proposition because you're going after him. And, and I'd taken a look at how far – 
recruits have been from a few programs in 2019. And for Alabama, the mean distance was 456 miles. For Georgia, it was 457. And for Florida, when you take steel out of the equation, it was 300. So Florida, you know, we've talked quite a bit about drawing a circle around Gainesville and not letting your elite recruits out of there. Um, you know, Florida's circle isn't isn't as big <laughs> as Georgia and Alabama either. And so you wonder whether some of those resources could be allocated to trying to drive further into Georgia, Alabama, South Carolina, um, outside of Gainesville. If you're going to go out of state, do it in a place where, you know, mom and dad can drive down if they want to see the guy play, as opposed to having to get on a plane and take time off work and all that sort of stuff. All right. Well, uh, to, I know some people were – trying to tell me that they needed some good news in this episode. Um, it, uh, unfortunately, uh, we have to share, uh, it, you know, the one black uh, will not be enrolling uh, this fall for the University of Florida. Uh, kind of announced right before we went on air here. He will go to JUCO for a year uh, or, or so, then hopefully he can enroll uh, at that point. If it plays out that way, then, you know, not, not, not too bad. Uh, but, it, you know, it, of course, it, the best situation would be to go ahead and get him uh, on campus, get him with the Gators program. Uh, we knew this would come down to the end with him, and unfortunately he won't be part of the team for 2019. Now he'll have to go buckle down in JUCO, and he really wants to play for Florida. He wants to play for Mullen, you know, since uh, they tried, you know, they they, they, put, they helped him in every way uh, to get to the point uh, that, that he's at now. Uh, so, you know, when – when I discussed earlier about Mullen caring for his players and, and the kids, this is an example of that with, with Mullen and his wife, Megan, trying to help a kid uh, get in school. An unfortunate situation that, you know, that hopefully has a happy ending uh, and he's back in a year. Yeah, well, like you said, I, I don't know if the story is completely told on this one yet. Um, certainly, we wish wish to one black all all the luck in the world in terms of finding the right community college and finding the right set of tutors and and all the different things that he needs to do in order to be um, be a successful student as well as a successful football player. And and obviously, Mullen has has made an impression on him because um, you know he still wants to come back and still wants to be a part of the program. And you know, he's been one of the lead recruiters really for for this yeah. recruiting cycle as well. So, um, you know, I'm sure he's had an impact on some of the guys who decided to come to Gainesville as well. So, it, yeah, it's not great news, but uh, but I mean, I don't I don't think this is a complete story yet. And, you know, we just wish him the best of luck and hope to see him next year. Uh, yeah. Will he released a letter uh, says, excuse me, I'm very upset right now, but I'm here to tell you that I will not be attending the University of Florida. Instead, I will be attending a community college this summer. Maybe to y'all I fail, but to me, I've come a long way. I wasn't supposed to graduate, and for me to come this far, I'm so damn proud of myself. Uh, I know people will talk about me, call me this, call me that, but it's all in God's plan. I'm going to wipe these tears away, become a man, and finish what I started. I'm not done yet. 100% still screaming, go Gators. So, you know, heartfelt moment there uh, for, from the one black. Uh, and Dan Mullen actually retweeted that, Will, and had to say, you know we got your back, and you are a Gator. Keep grinding. So, and kind of speaking to the, the situation I just said, Mullen cares. The the one black cares. Uh, a lot going on here uh, with the one black, and you know he followed Mullen all the way from from Mississippi down to Florida. Uh, moved here to kind of you know, get get everything together, try and make a, a final push for grades and get to Florida. Hopefully, this time next year, we're talking about the one black getting ready for uh, for for for, summer, for fall camp and, and enrolling in summer at Florida. 
Yeah, well, you know, and I think there are there are important there are more important things in life than football too. Yep. So if if this prepares him for those things, then it's great, right? It's it's a fantastic detour if 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 his life turns out better because of the way that that this path takes him. And so you know, at the end of the day, I hope we all care more about Dewan Black than we do about what Dewan Black can provide the Florida program. But certainly, it if if uh, if it helps him to be in the Florida program, then that's where I want him to be as well. So you know, you just wish him the best of luck. And and I don't think through all of this all the stuff with steel and some of the other things that anyone, I, I, I haven't seen anyone claim that Mullen doesn't care about his players. I think the, the concern was that the narrative was going to make, uh, make that something you could say mm-hmm. uh, on the recruiting trail when you were trying to negatively recruit. And it didn't really matter whether the narrative was true or not. It just meant that that was something that somebody could bring up, particularly if you don't follow it as closely as we do. So um you know, I, I don't think anybody who's who's seen Mullen thinks that he doesn't care for his players or that he doesn't care how they how how things turn out for them. Um, and anybody who says that, I don't think has really been paying attention. Yeah, I always go back to after the Peach Bowl and uh, the video with Siante Lewis basically saying he wanted to quit football, didn't even want to play a senior year of football. Dan Mullen comes in and he's breaking down uh, in the locker room, telling Dan Mullen, "Thank you for everything you've done. Thank you for you know the, the Gator Standard. Thank you for everything that you've you've done this past year, uh, and you know helping us basically go out you know the, the way they went out by by winning the Peach Bowl. So yeah, you know of course for the one black, you know there is a football side to it. Another player in the 2019 class that won't be on campus, but well as you said uh, at, at this point, it, it, you just hope you, you just hope the kid ha- has it all together, and, and we're cheering for him in a couple years. Absolutely. All right, well, uh, some, so, so there, there was some good news uh, late last week, and no, this was not announced because of the Chris Steele stuff going around. But Florida and Texas agreed uh, and announced last Friday uh, that they would uh, uh, they're scheduling a home and home. Uh, you know, both schools announced it together uh, on Friday in a home and home football series that would be in 2030 and 2031. Uh, and this is on the heels of Florida announcing a home and home with Colorado in 2028-2029. Athletic Director Scott Strickland will he's made it known that these types of games are are, are coming. Uh, we know South Florida that game is it's on the horizon. You got Colorado now. You got Texas now. I know the neutral site game in Atlanta is a big possibility coming up soon. Well, I'm glad to see it. I'm as, and especially versus the likes of a blue blood like Texas. Uh, the trip to Austin will be one to really get excited for, you know, even though we'll uh, already got gray on, on me, but I'll have even more gray by then. Uh, but uh, these teams have only played three times uh, in the last time uh, in 1940. Yeah, you know, I know there was a little bit of a ho hum when the when the game with Colorado was announced, and and part of that was because I think people were expecting the Texas and the first. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, we knew we knew it was coming. We just had to wait a yeah, couple you know, days. I mean, USC or UCLA, hey, let's fly out to Los Angeles and see Florida play. Um, w- would have been kind of fun too. But uh, I think both games are a big step forward for the program to go outside of the state. I know there's been quite a bit of criticism of Florida not going outside of the state for anything other than SEC games, and and really. I think it's it's a recognition that in order to fill the stands, you can't just play cupcakes all the time. Um, I think it's also a recognition that home and homes are going to be the way things are done, and that and that as the Power Five condenses, because you know if there's any sort of expansion to the playoff that goes on, obviously there's probably going to be some some con- 
you know, some condensing of things that you're going to have to be playing really difficult schedules in order to get to where you want to go. So this is part of that. Um, you know, the good news is, is that my seven year old will be a freshman at Florida the year they play, uh, the year they play Texas. So, um, so, 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 you know, you mentioned the gray hair that we'll both have or more of by the time that happens, but, uh, I don't have any hair now, so I won't have any then either. Yeah, there you go. I'll, I'll, mine will be gone by then, but, uh, but my little guy will be there. So, or I guess my middle guy will be there for, uh, for the Texas game. So it does put things into perspective that, uh, you know, that's, that's a little ways off 2030, 2031. Um, you know, so hopefully we're still kicking by the time that comes around. I know, I know. I didn't even think about it, but yeah, it, it, it does roll. It does roll through the brain a little bit there. So, um, oh man! All right. Well, hopefully, hopefully, this uh, little bad week, uh, all the way from Jalen Jones to Chris Steele, uh, there. You know, hopefully, that's the uh, that's the end of it. Uh, we can look forward to uh, the summer. College football magazine should be coming out uh, any moment now. I believe Lindy starts sending theirs out, I believe, on their website. I saw the 15th, so a couple more days. Uh, and I guess if you ordered one from their uh, website, you'll probably be getting it faster. But uh, so newsstands bill will be filled with uh, with 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 some um, uh, college football preview magazines that'll be hitting stands soon. And I did see Lindy's has the Gators up to number six. Uh, and their rankings been look we'll we'll do it like we've done the last couple of years we'll we'll really break down uh, what a lot of the preseason magazines uh have to say about the gators but be on the lookout for those and that's probably probably one of my favorite episodes we do every every year Will's looking at what Athlon Lindy's and eventually what Phil still has to say uh about our gators yeah, so football what, what is that <laughs> <laughs> well we promise we do have some Felipe Frank stuff coming yeah it, there's, there's stuff coming next week unless something else crazy goes on but uh but yeah, obviously that's that's why we do this, right? Is we like we like watching the games and we enjoy we enjoy sort of breaking down what's going on. And recruiting is a big part of that. And so yeah, some, it might be recruiting next week with the cookout. Well, we'll see. But but yeah. hey, that should be good news, right? I mean, the yes. cookout last yes. year was very very successful, um, and so I suspect that there will be some good news coming out of there. And and uh, you know, even if it's not necessarily commits, it's at least building relationships. And obviously, relationships are a big deal when you're talking about recruiting. So. Um, so, I, yeah, I, I think hold tight, everybody. There will be some good news coming in the next few weeks. And uh, and certainly I think everybody foresees Florida. You know, I haven't seen anybody. I think the lowest I've seen Florida ranked in any of sort of the early preseason polls is like 13th. Yeah. So, you know, the expectation is that Florida is going to be very, very good this year, um, you know, even with some of these things that have been going on the last couple of weeks. So just hold tight. It'll get better. Absolutely. All right. Um well, uh, anything else coming up on Reading Reaction this week? I know you've been busy, too, with, with, with the Steel stuff and, and releasing your thoughts out there. Any, anything else coming up or just uh, kind of laying low? No, I've, I've got the Frank stuff that's going to be there we go. Okay. in preparation for, so everybody can – we can talk more in detail about it on the pod next week, but that's going to be yeah. coming sometime this week. Um, really went back and I charted every throw that he threw last year, and so it's taken a little while. But, uh, but I think I found some interesting things where you can say, hey, if you see this improve throughout the year, like – you know, or or if you see something in the first couple of games that improves in this particular area, that uh, you know that'll be a really promising thing for the for the season overall. So, um, sort of some keys to look for maybe in the game against Miami and 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 moving forward early in the season. That is one thing I do like about the first game, and I'm like you said, we'll get to it later on. One, the first game being somebody like a Miami, because you cut you kind of know where you stand right away. 
Uh, so it is one advantage of, you know, for, for us getting to, to cover the team, you kind of, there's a lot more to talk about leading up to that game, but a lot also to talk about uh, after a game like that being the first game of the season. Cause it was a pretty clear indicator when Florida played Michigan and Dallas a couple of years ago where, where that program was going to go. Well, I mean, that's what I was going to say is that it's great leading up to it and all the hype and all that sort of stuff. And then um, if things go well, obviously it sets you up for a really exciting year and, and all the enthusiasm coming off of it. If everything goes like it did against the Michigan game, well, it kind of goes the other direction. Right. But, uh, you know, at the same time, that team had an opportunity to win some games that were that were close there against LSU and Texas A&M couldn't get it done. And then things sort of fell apart. So yeah. it's not as if that season wasn't fun. I mean, it, it wasn't near as fun as some of the other ones, but it was interesting, right? I mean, you know, still enjoyed watching the games, enjoyed watching the team and that's the way it's always going to be. So, uh, and, we, and we buried a team last year against Kentucky and then they ended up winning 10 games. So yeah, maybe, maybe the early season game doesn't mean as much as I just said it did. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I, I think, I think this is one of the, again, anytime you have additional non-conference games that, are not necessarily cupcakes. I think it's a good thing. I mean, you know, last year we had Colorado State and, and Charleston Southern and things like that. And there's still a couple of those this year, but in Idaho, there's still a couple of those this year. But uh, but to substitute one of those for Miami, I think is good for everybody, right? It's good for the players because they get to measure themselves against guys that they've played against in high school. And then it's good for the program because you get that, especially this year, because you get sort of the the kickoff where nobody else is around. It's, it's the only thing that's going to be on. And then, uh, you know, so from a recruiting tool perspective, it's it's a really useful thing. And then, um, you know, just, again, that extra non-conference game, if you come out of the SEC with one loss, you're pretty much playing for the playing for the plan for the whole thing, right? You're going to make the playoffs. I suspect if you have Florida state and Miami on your non-conference schedule, you might be able to squeak through with two if you win the SEC. So, um, you know, if FSU will stop dancing and play, they'll help our strength schedule a little bit. Uh, you know, it, it's uh, <laughs> I'm not sure it could get worse than last year, Dave. So, <laughs> so we'll see. But anyway, it's at least an attempt to schedule. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I had to take the shot when I could. Yeah, yeah. you gotta do it when you need to do it. So. <laughs> All right, that's Will Miles. You can find him on Twitter at Will Miles SEC and his site readandreaction.com. I'm the host of Gators Breakdown, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SCC. Guys and girls out there, thanks for listening to this episode of Gators Breakdown.